This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. Hayley Lyon joins me today, and she fronts a blues folk outfit called Lady Lyon. Hayley, welcome to 2SER. Thank you for having me. It's really good to have a chat to you today. I Straight off the bat, I like to talk about the themes in Lady Lyon yes. music. It seems as though there's like a really strong sense of the ocean yes in the songs and the lyrics yep what is your affinity with the ocean what kind of draws you to that as a muse uh well i grew up on the central coast so i guess definitely being um close to the ocean and i also when i was a kid my parents used to pull us out of school for like a month at a time and we go driving around australia so i spent a lot of time away from the ocean in that sense um and i just kind of feel like I mean if yeah you can kind of tell with the lyrics that I write there's a bit of an older sort of um a a bit of an older soul with that sort of stuff so I guess and the ocean is kind of infinite in that way um and it's I just feel at home when I'm next to it it's kind of like resets you so right yeah I try to I guess I try to express that whenever I write you know are there other artists that draw on that imagery deeply that are really big influences for you? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I guess when I was a teenager, I was listening to a lot of um, sort of coastal coastal rock, I guess, you know, and always grew up surfing and everything. So anything sort of like that reggae, um, reggae rock, generally white guys with dreads, <laughs> mainly, okay. mainly, and obviously Bob Marley and that sort of stuff. Um, so in, in terms of that, yeah, there's definitely that sort of coastal imagery. But... I don't think there's any female-wise. I think more um, maybe Laura Marling a little bit, yeah, because she does write about the sea a little bit. But I guess, Mm. you know, she's also very um, subjective in the way she talks about her experiences and you can sort of put that song anywhere. That's the beauty of her, Mm. you know, and it would fit in. So, you know, in a cityscape or in the ocean or in, you know, the bushland. So, yeah. You know, talking about this has just reminded me that I how much Jack Johnson I used to listen to yeah. <laughs> in high school. Yeah, Jack Johnson, Donald Franken Rider. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I had so many, you know, so many friends. We'd go surfing trips every weekend when we when we everyone first sort of got their licenses because that's what you do on the Central Coast. You drive. You don't catch public transport because there's basically none. So that's what we'd do. Yeah, we'd take off and we'd go camp by the sea. Yeah. Cool. So when you said your parents take you out of school, yes, you mean like during the holidays or? No, I mean, so it wasn't like frequently enough that I was, you know, missing out on a lot of school, but my parents are a bit older, so they're in their 70s now, and I'm um, the youngest of five kids, and the, old, and the eldest are in their 40s now. So they kind of had this like second, well, they had their first sort of set of life things that they did and then by the time me and my brother came along we were babies or like really young and they were still doing that stuff so and that was like you know going around Australia 
and um, and we had sort of, you know, my parents had horses and so they'd go and play polo cross and we just naturally had to go with them. So it's kind right. of, yeah, it wasn't until I was like 10 or so that we were kind of like doing sports stuff on the weekends because my brother wanted to play footy. So that was that, you know, but before that we were in like Maitland and Forbes and Tamworth just kicking around in the dirt while, okay. they, played, while they played polo cross with horses. And, maybe, yeah. maybe that made you yearn for the ocean even more. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I remember like I... When you when I first sort of became independent enough to like go to the beach with my friends and thinking like this is the best thing ever, you know, because mm. I didn't have to be sort of stuck with my my brother or my mum, <laughs> which isn't bad to say, but yeah, you're kind of like irking to get out on your own by that age. You it's know? freedom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you grew up on the central coast. Yes. Where were your beaches of choice? Uh, Wombrel. So Wombrel, the Bend, okay. Terrigal, North of Oka. When I was a bit older and I got my license. Yeah. Okay. I've actually just been for a holiday at Avoca Beach. Yeah. As of like two days ago. Everybody is is going for holidays at Avoca Beach. So yeah. this is extremely topical. Yes. <laughs> it's the best. Yes. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Is Womberall a big surfing beach as well? or? It was kind of so where Womberall runs around to Terrigal, that little sort of middle area there. So North Womberall is a bit more dumpy. It's got a real sort of like shelf that drops off and the waves are quite heavy and dumped so there's a little bit of um surfing up the north end um but in the middle there where the bend comes around in the lagoon is is just beautiful prime Mm -hmm. prime time yeah yeah Yeah, so i kind of entered that question with an air that i kind of know about surfing i don't actually know (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know much either but i mean this is this is just what everybody sort of i guess did yeah (laughs) yeah cool yeah well that sounds like a great childhood yeah it was yeah very idyllic yeah i actually i'm from taree so i used to hang out uh old bar beach was my hang yeah when i was growing up did you go to taree high Yes, I did. Yeah, my housemate went to Tari High. Oh, right yeah. on. Yeah. What a small world. I know. <laughs> oh, now I'm alone and I don't know where I am. I've been sailing on this ship to come back again. Oh, now won't you go You So Lady Lion... You, I think the first single was in 2017. Yes. So it's kind of a new project. But you've been working on writing folk music and singing song, folk music for quite a while. Yes. Yep. So I kind of want to get a sense yes. of before Lady Line started, what you were doing, what the writing process was, and then how that culminated into this current project. Yes. Well... Lady Lion is a, obviously like Haley Lion. That's my last name. But then Lady is a nickname that I've had for a couple of years. Um, so that's kind of where the name came from. But I was always playing as Haley Lion. I guess I just wasn't professionally doing it or I wasn't trying. Um, not trying. I was trying. I just didn't have the confidence to sort of project it enough. Um, and then obviously a couple of years ago, I sort of really kicked myself in the in the bottom and was like, I'm going to do it. So then Lady Lion came about. And the writing process has kind of changed recently because I, when I first got a guitar, when I was like six years old, I was like just strumming it and doing, you know, doing as you do when you're that young and singing and just making up songs and songs and songs. And then I started getting songwriting lessons and guitar lessons um, when I was about 15. And from there, it just I would, it was like a song a week 
or like more, or like sometimes like every day. Um, and then I guess the songs that are on this EP, Champion Blues, are the a little more is the last song that I wrote, the most recent one. And then every other song is probably like a 10-year span that I've wrote those songs. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And when you were doing that as Hayley Lyon, yeah. was it all doing it in a sort of solo setting? It was just you with the guitar doing the songwriting or were you doing it collaboratively with others? Just me. Okay. Yeah, yeah just me. Lady Lyon sort of opened opportunities, which is really wonderful with a good friend of mine, um, Luke Mosley. So he plays in an outfit called Butternut Sweetheart in Sydney and we went on a tour together working for a band called The Beautiful Girls um, and we met and then it's sort of just we became good friends and then he had a studio in... Um, St. Peter's, you know, in this like carpentry warehouse and he was just sort of making music there every day and he was like, do you want to come and just have a play and see what happens? And so we did and then this is all the, that was the pre-production for the EP. So he really gave me the confidence to figure out, you know, that there should be more sounds. I'd wanted it for a while, I just couldn't hear it in my head. Okay. Yeah. So when you were playing as Hayley Line, it was just you were playing solo shows. Yeah. But the, what is the outfit for, for Lady Lion? You play as a duo or do you have a whole band setting as well or does it kind of vary? It expands and it contracts. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah, so Luke plays, um, he's a spectacular multi-instrumentalist and so is Hewitt. So Hewitt plays bass um, and then I also play in another band with him and then Luke does drums, keys, lead guitar, BVs, you name it, he does it. Even if it's just tapping a foot, he can do that. Okay. Um, so, and then another friend of mine, Toby, was drumming for me as well. So it was kind of like a full band situation. Um, and that's definitely what we have for the launch. And then more recently we went down into trio mode, so Luke was drumming and Hewitt was doing bass and they're both singing BVs and then me on guitar, like rhythm. And then the last gig I played a couple of Fridays ago was just me and Luke and Luke was doing keys and then I was just playing guitar and we were sort of stripping everything back. So it's because the, because I'm such good friends with the boys and, and we've known each other for so long, it's kind of this really beautiful sense now that everything doesn't have to be as big as I once imagined it, you know, and you can find that space in the songs. So, yeah. Does it force more creativity if almost, not necessarily every gig, but often you're changing the the lineup and I guess the tools that you have available to you when you're on stage? Yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, I never had any um, idea how much until, like I said, the last gig because I kind of was only supposed to be me and then I didn't realise so I asked Luke to play. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, we changed everything up and it kind of gave everything such a, a, a new life because I'm kind of I'm in the process of writing again now and I'm like going into the studio to record some of the new stuff that I've written and I'm at that stage where, you know, you kind of tire of what you're doing but it felt so invigorating to be able to play the, the songs that I love and the that people know but have such a new um, structure to them and, mm. and to be able to find that, like, different rhythm in them, yeah. Okay. You know, bizarrely, this is not the first time that I've spoken to someone who said they did their kind of pre-production stuff in a carpentry warehouse. <laughs> when I spoke to Emma Davis, she said that she did that as well. So that's Emma's studio. Is Emma that and the Luke, same place? That's the same studio. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, so Emma and Luke... Luke plays in Emma's band as well. Okay. Yeah, and that was her. So they shared it together. They were very sad to let that go, actually. But, yeah, quite often I'd go in and Emma would be finishing up. And and they're making, like, 
like Lazy Boys out the back or something? Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. We actually filmed when, so when the warehouse, they had to pack up and sell because West Connex was going through, we filmed a film clip for Luke, I know, (laughs) for Luke's band in there as well, which is kind of cool. It was this huge industrial space and you could like drive cars in and sort of, you know, and it had really great acoustics and we used this dolly to just sort of push ourselves in and out of the shot, which was really nice, but... Yeah, a really nice space to be able to sort of figure out that you what you like and what you don't like and how much, um, I guess, how much view you've got on what you should be doing, you know. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> very lucky. As yeah. you mentioned, so the EP title is Champion Blues. Yes. I love that title. Yeah. Why is it called Champion Blues? Um, so it's the name of one of the songs, Champion mm-hmm. Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a play on feeling great you know feeling like you're really great but you're not and that song specifically um is about that you know about behaving a little bit badly towards a friend and realizing that you're not as good as you thought you were definitely a personal lesson for me um and then also um kind of like just the name of the cigarettes champion blues Yes. Yeah, oh, right. so, okay. <laughs> yeah, or that's like, you know, the nickname that my friends used to call them. So it kind of just ran. Do you mean Winnie Blues? No, cha- so Champion Rolling oh, right. Tobacco. Yeah, it kind of just ran together. I know very little about cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. That's probably a good thing, I guess. <laughs> yes, it's definitely a good thing. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it just sort of it felt like the right, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you come up with song titles, but they just happen. It and, just happens. And that's it. Yeah, you know. Magic in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a track from it. Yes. This is, as you said, I think the last song that you wrote. Yes. On the EP. Yeah. Uh, it came out uh, a little while ago. This one is called A Little More by Lady Lion. Thank you. 
That was A Little More by Lady Lion. That was from a previous EP, but you have new music on the way, and you've been uh, taking some time out to work on some recording, particularly for the next single. Yes. Can you tell us about how that's going? I'm still in in the pre-production process, um, but the next single is a bit of a leap from where I've previously been. Um, It's a little bit more... um, heavy guitar driving rhythm as I sort of like most of the newer songs that I've written are because I sort of have predominantly play electric guitar now and I really just enjoy strumming the hell out of it and just being silly and it's kind of I kind of like adopt a little bit of like influence I'm really lucky when new people come into my life there I'm kind of lazy in a way where I don't have to search out new music because they're so rich they just continue to bombard me with things so this is kind of like a little bit more influenced by garage rock which is okay kind of really strange when you have like <laughs> a country sort of voice like mine um so yeah so it's called surfs up and it's kind of about um being stuck in one place and trying to move a bit harder and get a bit further out of there. Yeah, sort of digging out of the mud. Yeah. Okay. Sticking with the ocean theme as well. Yes. <laughs> so you've recently acquired a new electric guitar. Uh, no, I've had this for a couple of years now. Oh, okay. Um, I just sort of – I played with it on the last EP, but it was kind of a lot more sparse and, a, you know, um, a lot more toned down. Um, and I think a lot of the instrumentation that we used was um, really sort of bigger than the guitar, but now the guitar is a really big part of what's coming. So Okay, great. Yeah. So it almost sounds like a little bit of a transition. Absolutely. In, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you'll st- – I mean, you can't really get rid of a country voice like mine once <laughs> you've got it. That twang is there forever. But I've kind of like just been able to really expand on my ability to use it since I've been doing some singing lessons and I've been – really singing a lot of different types of music and so that kind of has really enriched me I think in a way that's allowed me to bring out new things. So have you been writing a lot of songs in this new style? No, no. (laughs) I would love to say yes but unfortunately because well I mean you know yeah you write a lot of songs but there are only like three out of those a lot of songs that you would ever really want to play live Mm. and the beauty of all those old songs that I have is that I spent 10 years playing them you know and really knowing that they were good because they stood the test of time and then when you have to release new music that you haven't played for a long time you kind of really have to be like oh yeah is it good is it not (laughs) will it work won't it (laughs) it sounds like you're at a really interesting point because I saw you posted you played a gig quite recently yeah I saw you posted that you're going to be more kind of focusing on recording and also falling in love with the old music again absolutely yeah yeah well because it's I mean it's really easy to take it for granted, the ability to, like, have people always, you know, or to for people to want to book you for gigs and, and to be able to play your own music. And that's a really, really special thing, especially in the climate that we have at the moment in Sydney. Um, so I don't ever want to become, like, complacent on that. And I want to really spend time on, on that and honing that like I did with those songs and knowing that what I'm doing is a quality thing and I'm happy with it and it'll stand my test of time and other people's as well. Right. Yeah. If it's something that you first had the seed or the thought of an idea 10 years ago, up to 10 years ago, yes, is it kind of, it's almost like 
reading a diary yes. from a while ago? Is yeah. it interesting to reflect on? Because it's a different point in your life. Yep. Is it interesting to see those kind of thoughts and be like, oh, yeah, I remember thinking like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just the stories. I like to tell stories before I play songs when I play live. And even just the stories that I tell now, they've evolved. They're still the same subject matter but my view on them has evolved you know now I'm like well actually that I wrote that when I was 23 so Mm. looking back that's probably a really naive way to think but the song is still the song so you know yeah so I'm telling the stories a little bit differently and seeing the songs I guess with a little bit more of a mature outlook just slightly more mature (laughs) (laughs) That is super interesting. I, I find it very difficult to go an episode without mentioning Jack Wyatt. Yes. <laughs> but he, he did an album of acoustic songs yes. where he had like poetry that he'd written as a teenager. Yeah. And he revisited them 20 years later. Yep. And when he was writing these songs, it was almost a process like he was writing songs with himself. Yeah. But at a different juncture, a different slice of time. Yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of taking the time to reflect and almost do that as well. Maybe take a different take on a thought that you had 20 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're still you're still doing the same things I was, you know, I mean, even 10 years ago, I'm still falling in love, falling out of love, insecure, feeling secure, feeling confident, sweating, not sweating, like, you know, <laughs> still eating, sleeping, you know, scratching my head in the middle of the day going, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, I think, you know, like we... spoke about before it's just about you know you sort of get a bit easier in your skin so you can sort of objectively look back and be like yeah that's a really good piece of information I should expand on Mm. I the first time I heard one of your songs the first thing I got was like Laura Marling yeah I love Laura Marling yes me too (laughs) I'd love to hear your relationship with her music have you been a fan for a long time ah So I'm one of those people who like picks like one song or three songs and is like, we'll hammer that song in my in my iPod when I used to have an iPod, <laughs> whatever it was. Actually, I had a um, little like clock radio that you could plug an aux cord into oh, right. before I got an iPod. And um, and it had storage. I had a, a, a CD player. Oh, I see. And I had, and you could plug it from the clock radio to the thingo. Oh, no, was I doing that? What was I doing? No, it was a Discman. And I had Laura Marling's Alas, I Cannot Swim. Oh, cool. And you could plug it into it. And I used to put it on when I was in the shower. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> I always do this. I always end up telling these stories. I think that's fine. <laughs> um, and there's a song on there called Ghosts. And, oh, just the... It's just bliss. That song is bliss. And I remember I had, like, broken up with a boyfriend at the time and just the, you know, the little part of that song where it's You're No God, you know, and she talks about, you know, just the pain of being on your knees and and the the vulnerability of this person in the song or the, or the character that she's talking about was just... That's my relationship with her. It's pure, like, unadulterated adoration. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually, if there is a podcast that is the main influence for this podcast, it would be hers. Oh, really? Did you listen to her podcast? No. Like I said, I think I'm about to blow your mind. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) So she has a podcast that came out in, I think, 2016. Yeah. It's called The Reversal of the Muse. Yeah. And it's about the, it's about the feminine aspect of creativity. Yeah. And it sort of poses questions. So she talks to female artists. Yes. Heim. Yeah, Dolly Parton. Oh, Dolly. And she talks Huge. to producers particularly as well because yeah. she's talking about like the studio environment. Yeah. 
And so one of the main questions that I guess it poses is for the last 60 years, popular music has been kind of written, well, not necessarily written, but produced. The studio environment is very masculine. Yes, absolutely. What if it was flipped upside down? Yep. Would the last 60 years of music sound different? Ah, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's kind of looking at the different aspects of creativity. Anyway, that's my recommendation (laughs) for you. I wanted to know whether you've heard it, so you should totally listen to that. I will, yeah. I think it's about to be your favourite podcast. Oh, well, I've... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, can, I can wholeheartedly say right behind this one, yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's called Reversal of the Muse. Yep. It's, everything about it is very good. Yeah, well, I mean, she's golden, so, mm. yeah. You mentioned that, so you're going to be going into the studio, you've done pre-production for Surf's Up. Yep. Is that moving towards an EP that has a proposed date or it's kind of an isolated single at the moment? Oh, that's a very, very good question. I like to ask the hard-hitting yes, questions <laughs> on this podcast. Well, you know, someone told me that it gets easier with every release that you do. So hopefully the process of putting together an EP will be a lot easier than the last one. Not that it wasn't, just personally it was challenging for myself having been the first time and self-confidence always, you know, self-doubt kicks you. But um, the plan is currently to release a couple of singles. Yeah, and just like I said before, you know, it's important for me to really be creatively satisfied in what I'm writing and also bring a quality to the songs and bring quality to a live show and um and I kind of don't like to force anything I don't like to be you know I like to be proactive but I also like to let as silly as it sounds the universe provide me with opportunities so I think at the moment what it's providing me with is time and that's important to take that and personally for me I also need to be I need to be good to myself at the moment and in doing that is just spending each day writing a little and figuring it out and being happy with it, you know. I can't afford to be going half-assed into anything at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get Ladyline music when it's ready. Yes. (laughs) It sounds like a wizard. Like Gandalf was never late and never early. Yeah. (laughs) It happened when he meant it to happen. You'll get it when you'll get it. Yeah. time for Tell Me a Thing, where I give you a list of seven topics and ask you to tell me something about one of them. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, Patti Smith, punk rock, poetry, death, and politics. Haley, can you please tell me a thing? So I'd like to talk a little bit about death. Okay. Last year, I went down to our Dark Mofo Festival in Tasmania, and one of the one of the things that we did, me and my friends when we were down there, was go on a cruise, but it wasn't really a cruise, it's more like just an inflatable boat that went out into the middle of the harbour. And it was uh, done by a wonderful woman, I can't remember her name, which is such a shame because this would be beautiful to be able to tell this story with her name in it. Um, and she's an artist and she basically recorded 45 minutes worth of the process of decomposition of a body and in the water so she went through every little facet of like you know the way the nails come off the skin and the 
um, the hair starts to deteriorate and then, you know, what happens to the body where it bloats and swells. And it was kind of this incredible meditation for 45 minutes in the middle of the harbour about death and about how I took away from it because I had my eyes closed the whole time and you're listening with headphones on and you're sitting in a boat with all these people but all you can feel is like the rocking and you can kind of hear the seagulls from a little bit further away and you can smell the salt and the brine and just um, kind of like you can even sort of imagine like the seagull poo on the rocks, <laughs> you know, just all this amazing stuff. And then you feel like your body is decomposing. You feel like you're... Your skin is taking is being taken away, and and not in a painful way, kind of in like a real sort of, it's a rebirth, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is hectic. What a crazy <laughs> sensory experience. It was. I don't completely yeah. understand. So you were on a boat. Yes. And you you weren't like blindfolded, but you kind of had your eyes closed. Yeah. Well, you close your eyes because the experience is not about what you're seeing; it's about what you're hearing, and then you have all these. Um, exterior senses around you supplying you with the of what you need to imagine it so you know the feel of the water and and the rocking of it and because essentially you're a body grazing against the bottom of the rocks in the river and kind of like floating to the surface and sort of being tickled by seaweed and things like that but the whole time you're as you can imagine bloating up and your feet are swelling and your ankle joints are coming off and your feet are then eventually falling away because they're the first thing to go yeah and you're kind of hearing all of this in a scientific manner but with this really soothing voice and it's that's you know the scientific method of death I guess but it was really a rebirth yeah that's really interesting because I guess in modern society we're so removed from death yeah we go to the supermarket and there's just like chicken breasts and you yeah. buy it and it's fine. Yeah. And you don't have to understand anything that happened ever. Yeah. But that's kind of taking it back to making you have a real tangible understanding. You said it takes 45 minutes. Yeah. Is it? And you said it's recorded. Yes. They actually recorded that with a real body or? Um, or it's like their interpretation of what it would sound like for the skin or whatever. Well, so it's not the sound of the decomposition it's her describing the decomposition oh, to you right yeah so it's kind of like your imagination that's why you close your eyes because your imagination is wild like absolutely wild and I spoke to like I had like five friends with me and we did it and when we took our headphones off and we were coming back like one of my friends had tears in her eyes and she was like it was a deeply sad experience for me you know she felt very alone in that in that moment um, or in that time. And I felt the opposite. I felt like it was a rebirth because I was like, oh my God, I was the body. And I could feel like parts of me that I didn't need coming off. And, you know, yeah, it was very, very, I just highly recommend, you know, if you ever get down to Dark Mofo doing any of those sort of um, ticketed events where you can go. Yeah. We were talking off air before about people going to concerts. Yes. And being disengaged because yep. they're on the internet, on their iPhones or whatever. Yeah. That sounds like such an intense, it's almost like meditation, I guess. Nothing else exists except what you're doing right now. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Well, mm. that's how I felt. I felt like it was a 45-minute free lesson in just how significant and insignificant I am in the grand scheme of things because 
even if I'm buried, cremated, no matter what happens to the flesh of me, nature will still take its course. Prevail. Yeah, yeah. Depending on your perspective on death and decomposition, that's either like a really good ad (laughs) for dark mofo (laughs) or an extreme deterrent. Yes. Uh, Choose your own adventure, I guess. (laughs) But thanks. No, that sounds like a really interesting sensory experience. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, Hayley, thanks so much for having a chat for me today. It's been really good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to come along. I appreciate it. Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.